But here's our hot take. I actually prefer the cheaper 12-year Kirkland blend versus Highland Journey, which is not by any means a very fancy scotch, but it is much nicer and pure scotch. Is it smoother? I actually think the Kirkland is, but I might get, you know, don't like, shoot the I, messenger. Is it? I think it's about the eight. Okay, like, <laughs> hey, preempt, I don't drink, so I don't know. But I would imagine the aging process of a scotch has something to do with how smooth it is. Maybe I'm wrong. Right. That's the hot take of the day. Right, look, I got a different hot take, man. I think my hot take would be, I think we consume way too much sugar during breakfast. Like breakfast food, you're okay to like, you can douse it in syrup. You can literally just put like Cheerios with sugar in it. Like there's no other meals like lunch or dinner where you're allowed to have this much unnecessary sugar. So why does breakfast get a pass? You are going to make... It just doesn't make Brittany any sense. very fired up by it, this hot take. It doesn't make any sense. Like why would we have... It's just such an... I don't even want to say unhealthy. It's just so unnecessary. So... <clears throat> I, uh, Brittany and I rant about this all the time, not just breakfast in general, but the amount of processed sugars and full disclosure, I am a sugar addict, Yeah. <laughs> but the amount of garbage that you, people you need to say a hi, I'm Raj, I'm an addict. Like that's your, that's your segue. Like you just go right into it. The amount of garbage that we are feeding children or the young adolescents and there's all these documentary documentaries ah, about. But some of those are culty too. Like no. I saw, I've seen some documentaries. I'm like, wow, no, 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 you can't be that far the other way too. Too fat to toddle. <laughs> Is that what? There's a documentary I watched a couple weeks ago. I think I watched one, but that was really good. It was about, uh, it was kind of describing like you know, just having a vegetable-based diet, like not vegan but vegetarian. Mm -hmm. The amount of um, physiological benefits to that. But I think there was another one, and I don't want to misquote it, because I believe it's called What the Health, and it's so culty, like, it would call up, like, American Cancer Society, and say, hey, like, why wouldn't you denounce steak on your website? Hmm. Okay, American Cancer Society's primary job is not to pick diets for the average American, or, you know, it doesn't matter, like, the Canadian equivalent, or whatever you talk about, like, it's just... I don't find it productive to just go and call somebody and assign blame mm -hmm. to their whole platform. Like, if you want to change something, do something yourself. And I know that making a documentary, like, good for them. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to take any of that away from them, but I just don't think that's the right way to go about it. But anyways, I just think breakfast specifically. Like, if you were talking about lunch and dinner in general, if people just ate lunch food or dinner food in their breakfast food, I think their overall sugar consumption would be like 50% yeah. over the year. So why is it there? No one knows. Doesn't mean to be, um, that would be my hot take for the day. So I okay. don't know where we started, but cool. Now that we got out of the way, let's talk about something that I've always wanted to talk to you about. Cause I think you, you've had a lot of experience over time with working with different jobs, i.e. always having different bosses. So I just wanted to chat with you about leadership and, and in the angle that look, you, at least I don't have anybody reporting to me or I never have. Um, I would imagine it's the same situation with you. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. So it, it's it's from a perspective of someone who's willing, like not willing, but who's looking to be led, rather than you know just the perspective of these are the fifteen leadership skills that gonna make you a Fortune five hundred CEO. Yeah, that's not why I want to talk about. It. I just want to see like what do you think are some good leaderships uh, qualities? How would you define one? Who would you who would you rather have in a position that you you would fall on a sword for? 
Um, and why would you do that? What defines them? So what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I've had a whole gamut of different jobs, both professional and some other jobs as, as when I was younger, yeah. um, prior to university. And I've, over that time, I've kind of collected different categories of what I believe is a strong leader and what, you know, if I'm ever in the position as a leader, what kind what of, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of traits do I want to exemplify for my team? And I've had different mentors as well in university currently. So some of the practices I try to live by, and there's no really clear cut leader. Uh, you see the cliche, you know, different memes where there's the boss, you know, with there's big, fat stomach and all this money and telling people <laughs> what to do and then you see the boss in the cut like in the trenches with lowering with, with like just about anybody else right um now i don't think it's that clear cut uh, of course you want a leader that's in there with the trenches with you and understanding what you're working on but you don't want a micromanager right and you also want them to be outside of those trenches so they can be building the strategies and you know i'm talking metaphorically yeah of course yeah but if you've got a leader i've seen that's in the nitty gritty technical work or whatever project that you're working on, sometimes they're not looking out for the best interests of maybe some future projects or pitching, pitching the team to different groups because we want to all be recognized. And I think a strong leader has to be able to balance between getting involved with the day-to-day -day, but also being unattached from that so there's no emotional attachment to specific projects and they can think more objectively rather than subjective and like long-term kind of thinking too it, it's it's funny that the the more i think about like you know leadership and who makes a good leader for mm -hmm. a better word i always kind of almost narrowed it down to one quality that i think every leader needs to have and regardless of the rank that they're in this company you know like yeah like a ceo or anyone in the c-suite or directors or managers whatever you are kind of by default leaders but i found just as many leaders in the bottom ranks where it's just my colleague who has no title, who has no um, actual, how do I put this? Like, you know, any, anybody, any gusto in terms of this is the, this is why I have this reputation or credibility. They're just almost sacrificing their time, effort, and energy to sort of coach and mentor other people at work. So those people sort of look up to these guys or gals that are around the room and, and recognize them as leaders. So I think one of the qualities that they always need to have is some kind of courage. Mm. But if you, and this almost comes back from, kind of sounds primitive, but uh, let's say 2,000 years ago, or even maybe longer, um, let's say you and I were in a tribe of 50 people or 100 people, whatever it might be. So you want to set a leader that's for that tribe who's going to probably get the first cut off the kill, mm. who's going to get all these extra benefits and it's, uh, for being a leader. But if there's a snake that's coming come your way or there's a saber-toothed tiger or something, buddy better step up or because mm. or, that's what you want. Like you want them to go ahead and, and get the finer cut of the meat. You want to make sure when your leader asks you for a project or an assignment, you drop whatever you're doing, you set them up for success because that's how everybody's going to be successful, the whole team. But at the same time, if if when there's like a layoff or if there is a difficult situation that's coming your way at work, mm. you want that's the first person to stand up and say no or push that back or fight back for you guys. Because yeah. that's the kind of person that breeds loyalty. Like you were like, okay, you know what? You got my back. I'll take care of yours. Like, and, and that's that's what I recognize to be a good leadership quality. So I really like that you mentioned courage and you mentioned that 
they need to be there to back their team up. So I, that makes me think of when I worked for an EPC company, I was 18 years old. It was my first professional job. Mm -hmm. And the owner of this EPC was an amazing guy. And this was probably only a couple of weeks in and I was working with a project manager and there was a big screw up from our firm. Um, I don't exactly remember the specific details and I was very new to that type of work, but there was some sort of technical mess up that was going to set the project back. And it was, it all fell on this one individual project manager. And so I remember bringing in the client. Um, We were, you know, this was working for a big oil company. And so the client came in, it was some director um, and a couple other HR and external relations individuals. And we were sitting situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember sitting, I was just a fly on the wall. I was taking meeting minutes, Of course. what an 18 year old does. And I remember the owner of this EPC company saying very, I'll never forget this. It was one of my very first distinct memories as working as a professional. And he, in my mind, I was, you know, young thinking, oh, like this person's going to get thrown on the bus. This person's going to get fired. Yeah, of course. That's how how our life has been before that. And this manager, uh, sorry, this, this owner of the EPC company told the big oil corp, this is my fault. And straight up, straight up this is my problem. He said, this, this problem that happened was because of me. And yet we had the whole team there. The EPC was only probably 10, 15 people. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, wow, that is an amazing leader that he took the fall for something totally out of his control. And from that day, I understood the level of loyalty that was that, that breeds within that team. That because team. it was all about making failures into learnings and eventually into success. And that's what he always preached. So there was no benefit from him pointing the blame to a specific individual. You know what the crazy part about being a leader is? I think it's kind of a thankless job. Like you, mm. whenever you your team does well, the credit is everybody else's. Yes. Whenever there is a problem, the blame is 100% yours. Like it, you, you got to be comfortable with making that personal sacrifice to the point that you, you know, you're not going to, or others might say it, but you never get to plug yourself and get that glory or fame. Mm-hmm. But whatever you, you know, there's a, there's an actual issue. You have to step up to the plate and say, okay, this, this, my dad, like, let me figure this out. Um, but there's a couple things that you mentioned and there's a few, few little tidbits I want to share with everybody. Um, number one was meeting minutes. So there was, once I found out in a fortune 500 company, I believe it was Salesforce. And there was a young individual. Um, I don't know what they did for the company or what their role was, but it's some kind of entry level position. And then they figured, okay, what I want to move to this position in 10, 15 years, which was, you know, relatively high up, seemed pretty unattainable at the time. So their entire strategy was they would go and find all these high level meetings like C-suite or when they're dealing with like external big customers because Salesforce is like a business to business kind of platform. Right. And every time they have these big meetings, this person would go in there and say like, Hey, can I go take meeting minutes? Mm -hmm. And they're just like, uh, sure. I guess. And then they would take meeting minutes. They would share it with everybody. And the first 10, 15 times, they were obviously not even invited into that meeting. They, like, they would literally open up the door and say, like, sit down and just be a fly on the wall. And then when people are like, why are you here? Like, oh, I'm just taking meeting minutes. Soon enough, after 10 or 12 meetings, they started getting invited mm-hmm. into those bigger level meetings where they had no business being. And these are like really big organizations like, with a ton of People like it's not like you know the EPC that you had where it's just like it's more accessible, mm-hmm. like it's not as vertical in terms of its structure. So 
this person found one of the easiest hacks throughout this whole process. For them, was you just go up there, you go to these big level meetings, and you just want to be a part of the discussion, just start taking meeting minutes. Mm -hmm. Now you start seeing where the company's going, what are their vision, mm -hmm. how are things coming down. And he had, or he or she, I don't know who, what it was, but they had access to information that they shouldn't have. And they used that almost like not as a leverage, but they used all of that information to their benefit. And soon enough, they climbed the ranks. Yeah. And I thought that was like such a little interesting life hack that nobody else was just doing. But this person was like, I just want to go take meeting minutes for all these big meetings. Yeah. The other thing that you mentioned too, which was about your uh, leader that you had in the EPC, you know, kind of own up, owning up to the to the big mistake or screw up. I um, I remember one of the Microsofts, I believe. This person is an exec, like a higher up in Microsoft now, but at the time it was again someone, someone younger, someone close to the entry level position, and they had this idea that they wanted to implement within, let's say, it's something to do with cloud platform or something that was novel at the time. Whenever they brought it up, so got a whole bunch of money approved, got the budget done, went through the idea, implemented it, sent it out to the real world. Whether or not it was used for end user or business, I'm not sure. Huge flop, flop, losing venture, like they lost, I think, 10 or $15 million, whatever it might have been. Mm -hmm. So this person wrote a nice resignation letter, went up to their boss and said, hey, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I really, really appreciate that you let me try this. Uh, I'm sorry it didn't work out. Um, I kind of, I'll see myself out. Like, right. that's basically the message. And this person looked at the letter and said, what are you, what are you doing? Like, where are you going? It's like, oh, mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm just lost $15 million, like what are you going to do, right? This is the only thing I can do for you. Like I want to, I guess, do something back. It's like the guy, the, the boss just looked at this person and said, I just spent $15 million in their training. For tuition. <laughs> Literally, I just like, you, you missed it. Like you went at bad, you missed your swing, but yeah. now you know. This person apparently has never, ever swung another empty in the whole time he's been in, like myself. Yeah. Just knocking it out of the park ever since because you had a leader at the time who had a, almost, I don't want to say like a blind trust, because clearly this person failed early on, but had the ability to sort of go and have your back and say, look, I get it. Like it happened to me or happened to a whole bunch of other people too. Just just carry on. Yeah. Don't lose your innovation. Don't lose, lose your sense of curiosity. Just continue on. This is not the idea. So be it. The next one will be. Yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned trust. Um that's one thing that I think is definitely important for a leader, but also for the team. So I reflect on the level of trust I was given and currently I'm given in my current roles. Mm -hmm. And that goes both ways because if the leader needs to be outside of those trenches, as I mentioned, to be building up the team, building up strategies, there needs to be that level of trust that you've got the resources you need, yeah. but you've also got the level of transparency saying, hey, I need help with this or hey, I'm not climbing the learning curve as fast as I thought I was going to be. Right. And so as a leader, you need to be able to recognize that you've got a built team and a level of trust within the team that circulates and the, the right amount of credibility and experience. Um, <clears throat> the, the crazy part is if you think about it, like I think one of the best, and this is a very surface level quality of a leader, if a leader has a team of any kind, right? Mm -hmm. And you go and take on a vacation and just forget about your whole emails. I don't want to know what my team, what's happening with my team because I have full on confidence they'll figure it out. You, you, you make my head explode. <laughs> like, you, you know what the crazy part is? But I think there's so many people that will go in there and I'll check that email or check that IM and see, oh, what's going on? Like, call me if there's a fire. Mm -hmm. If I was a leader, I would say, if there's a fire, put it out. Don't tell me. 
Right. I don't want to come back to a burned house. I just want to, you to solve the problem, figure it out. I've hopefully given you enough tools or training mm-hmm. or given a good enough team that trust each other and then figure this out rather than if I'm a person who's unable to take a week off because I'm so concerned mm-hmm. that the team won't survive without me, I've built a bad team. Yeah. That is the way I see it. So I, I think, you know, there's obviously a lot of work that goes towards building a team. And it's, it's weird because think in the sales perspective. So let's say if you're, if you're in a car dealership, you're the best, best salesperson on the floor. You're probably going to get promoted to be a manager, right? But what happens psychologically that I think a lot of leaders need to recognize is you're no longer supposed to be the best salesperson. You're in charge of the people that are selling the cars for you. We know you can do their job faster, better, stronger, whatever it might be. But the perspective is for you to let them do their job and give them the tools and help for them to to do it successfully. Maybe teach them your tricks. What did you learn? Grow the whole team, right? And it's not the competition between like you and the top salesperson at the time. And no one, a lot of times or a lot of organizations miss giving people training to sort of support rather than, because they have the skill to do the job, but they don't have the skill to support someone who does the job. And that's a, that's a, I think a gap that I've recognized in just across the industry. Yeah. And I think a lot of leaders I really aspire to be like or look up to throughout mm-hmm. my years and different supervisors throughout. I really love the ones that are totally invested in their team in terms of their development, because I've had the experience where there's some really strong, capable individuals, like you mentioned, this, this manager, sorry, salesperson that moves on to be the manager. Right. Maybe that current manager doesn't want to give that up because right. they've got Wasif is selling 10 cars a month and the next best person is selling five. Why would I bring them up? Yeah. So I really appreciate the leaders I've had. And I've had both. I've had both that hold on to the their line. nest <laughs> yeah. because they don't want to let those people grow and develop because it's They're beneficial. They're a little bit threatened too. And also it's, it's not beneficial to the company's bottom line. Yeah. yeah. And so the leaders I really aspire to be like are, hey, let's build a development plan for you. Um, let's see what your keen interests are. And how we can get you to grow. How, of course, you're here to provide as much expertise and value to my team right now. Mm-hmm. So don't lose sight of that. But let's not also lose sight of what your goals are. Because maybe this isn't exactly what you're interested in. But you're here. and I expect you to do 110% for me. Right. But I will do 110% for you to make sure that you're super interested in going somewhere that's totally unconventional. How can we get you there? And the leaders that have those types of insights and connections are typically the ones that move faster to where they want to go. And they recognize, they've got the empathy that, hey, I was once in this position's shoes. This person's shoes. And I was really interested in doing X or Y. And I didn't have that opportunity. But now that I'm in that spot, I'm going to give this young person an opportunity to do that. Right. And um, yeah, so to me, some of the leaders that I've had that, I, that have been, hey, Raj, like I know um, this is kind of an area you're interested in. How can we build you up to get there? Can or I like even you? expose you to that opportunity? Because yeah. a lot of times, like let's say if you are working for this person, the person has access or knowledge of opportunities that might be pertinent to you that you wouldn't know about. Yeah. So it's about that person or leader to sort of connect you and see if you're interested and then like, yeah, they can go the extra mile even and put in a recommendation or whatever it mm-hmm. might be. But that's that's not required. It's just to 
be comfortable that you know someone from their team is maybe moving on to a better opportunity or a better fit and not to bear an ill will against that person but just to be like taking the higher road and say like wow like i helped um you know xyz individual get to their positions that they're interested in yeah what an incredibly rewarding thing to do and i liken it to almost like parenting like you know it's 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 very again it's kind of thankless like you're never gonna have your kid that's gonna say like hey like or I shouldn't say that. Usually later on in the life, like the, the kids are really going to realize, wow, like my parents really set me up. Like mm-hmm. what an incredible job they did. But at the time you have that rebellious teenage phase. Yeah. You have like, you know, literally when you're young, you can't even take care of yourself. It's a lot of time, effort and energy that they have to put in. Right. And at the end of the day, like, you know, your money is your money. Your success is your success. Your parents are just sharing in the sense that they're happy that you're happy right yeah so that could be a potential framework that a leader can adopt saying just pretend like you did i'm like a coach of this team or you know it's uh, i'm a i'm a parent with all these kids and i want to share in their success in the sense that i just want them to find their own way and if they're if they're happy i'm happy there's no like direct connection that i want to build that oh i need this person to do this job and if they move on to a different role who's gonna do this job like that seems like that seems like a very short-sighted way of looking at it yeah yeah so i think um other than that but have you like do you have any any horror stories where you've just gone like oh wow um i think this is kind of like it's not even you know in your career i'm just thinking of do you know of any horror stories where it's just like this is definitely the person i don't want as my leader definitely um And I, I have a lot of personal, my own stories, and I think probably a lot of people, as they get into the workforce, have good and not so good leaders. Definitely. Um, so one time, I can't remember how old I was, I was probably 20, one of my first co-op positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I had kind of a technical mentor, but he was kind of a pseudo leader as well for me. Sure. Uh, I was more so reporting my projects to this individual, um, opposed to my actual leader. And this individual had the mindset that Anybody working for projects for this person should already understand things. And it was a really big challenge for me because I always felt ill-prepared anytime I was presenting any of my research. Or even afraid to ask questions. Exactly. No trust, right? um, I was using other resources outside of this individual to get answers where I was afraid to ask my actual technical mentor because they had the mentality that... You know, kids coming out of school days don't know anything. And if you don't grow up on a farm, you can't be a good engineer. Wow. The amount of times I've seen that perspective, crazy. <laughs> crazy. And so I think it's important for leaders to have the humility that recognize that everybody has to start somewhere. You're born not knowing how to walk or crawl. And you're not going to be born to become a professional subject matter expert in any field, right. sales, engineering, law, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. without getting your hands dirty and learning. Right. So I think having that was my horror story because I was always afraid, always afraid to ask why, always afraid to present. Just even say, put your hands up. Like I don't really know how to do this. Can someone show me? Yeah. And it's like it's almost like a assignment of weakness that you're translating out there. But the real weakness is to pretend that you know and then to go into a situation they're hopelessly unqualified to handle. Right. And um, I think there's a flip side to that that I also want to discuss, which is um, have you have you ever had somebody that you know had no real ranks or no real title or no real leadership position, but had emulated all the qualities 
of a good leader that you really was like, wow, what an incredible person. Like, thank you for sharing your time. Like, I know um, very quickly, like I know somebody, you know, in an organization that I've worked for before. And one day we were just chatting and then their entire pitch was, I think over the years, they had been there like a couple decades. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to tell me like the, the whole job that they had was almost like a part-time therapist. They would always listen to the other people um, in that team venting to them. That was mm-hmm. what they did. And just doing that service alone probably, you know, avoided so many people prematurely quitting that position who then ended up becoming like much or taking on a lot more responsibilities, going on to much bigger roles. This person is where they are and uh, it's, it's okay, but it's more about this person stayed past the five o'clock or whatever, gave their time, effort and energy and, and the best advice they could to anybody who was having a difficult day, you know, at work or, or had been, for a lack of a better word, proverbially reamed out by their boss at that day, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought, wow, what a cool, like, service that this is. And they, like, I, I hope, uh, you know, if I, if you are ever a leader, like, they can recognize these kind of people and say, like, well done. Like, you've done some things that it doesn't show up in a KPI yeah. or a metric. And it's not like in the performance review, it's not your individual goal, but you done something to keep the fabric of the team together that I think is very valuable. And I hope, you know, those people get recognized. Yeah. But do you have anybody that you've ever come across that had similar um, situations that were like, well, they're a leader, but they may not have the title, but they're, they're definitely a leader. For sure. So to wrap up the conversation um, and answer your question. I, and I'll name drop this individual. Sure. He was a student of mine. So I was actually in a position, he was type of a, a type of subordinate. Right. Um, so Cole Hentrick, oh, I, I really admired him because he came in not knowing anything, but I, as I worked with him as his mentor, he actually was more of a mentor to me in wow. a lot of different avenues. Good for him. Because he just had so many different perspectives, um, technical and non-technical, more on the professional leadership side, mm-hmm. on why can't we do X instead of Y? Why can't we do things differently? And so I really admired Cole because he came in you know, as a subordinate and he was confident enough to challenge me and challenge other individuals on the way we worked. And he was also had, like we talked about the transparency to say, um, hey, I need help with this Mm -hmm. or I am working on this. And one thing I really liked is he was working on Larson Miller creep analysis, Mm -hmm. which is something that professional engineers work on. Right. And he took this challenge on and said, I'm going to do my very best. Yeah. And And, if if nothing, I'll learn. (laughs) And he was just ambitious and he was hungry to learn. Good. So, thanks for the conversation. No, great conversation. I'm looking forward to having our next chat.